So on this episode, we have Amanda here. Thank you, Amanda, for taking your time to have this conversation with me. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Diana, for having me. Um, so I know we've met for a few years now, right? Yeah, I can't believe it's been five years. Yeah, five years is a pretty long time to like think about it. I know. As a <laughs> senior in high school. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Um, as you know, I've just been, you know, really close to the youth and just really um, a big part of my life, I would say, is dedicated to youth ministry and, and being there with them. Yeah, and that's a big yeah. deal. That's a responsibility <laughs> that I don't think anyone is like equipped to to take that responsibility. Yeah, yeah it's definitely been you know a learning experience. So I just love being there. Yeah, but I do admire you, and I I'm always happy to hear what you have to say. Thank you. So um, in this episode, we're going to be addressing the question, what is the kingdom of God? And so part of the reason why I think this conversation is important is because throughout the entire gospel, if we see something that is very um, like prominent, it would probably be the message that Jesus is bringing. He says, I'm here, um, you know, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand mm-hmm. or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So like mm-hmm. those are in, like, in, for example, um, I think it was one of the first two gospels where those were the first words that were recorded out of his mouth. So that's, that's a big deal. And like this whole concept is a big deal. Right. Um, and then he says something interesting in John that is not mentioned in any other gospel. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. So would you give us a little bit of more context on that? Um, how should we understand it? How should we apply it? And, and how should we move forward with this? Yeah, no, definitely. So John 18, there was like so much going on there. There was like a lot of tension. You know, it was the moment where Jesus is arrested. And it's there's just so much because, as we know, Judas, who betrayed him, was one of the ones who, who were literally showing these soldiers that were going to arrest Jesus where he was. So there was already that rejection right there just shown um, through Judas. And then we see that Jesus is taken. um, And then in the middle of everything going on, Peter denies Jesus um, right after he said that he wouldn't, you know, he denied him three times. And then um, there's just so much. And then Jesus is then going to have a conversation with Pilate. And, um, in that conversation, it's like Pilate is trying to figure out, you know, why should we crucify this man? And he couldn't really understand why, um, everybody was saying that he needed to be crucified. And he even says things like, if he were not a criminal, um, you know, they wouldn't have handed Jesus to him. Um, but it was like Pilate couldn't figure out really what the crime was. And he starts to have this conversation with Jesus. Basically, um, Pilate starts to ask him if he's a king. And right before Pilate says, you are a king then, is when Jesus says that verse that you just read about him 
his kingdom not being of this world. And and Pilate just keeps saying, okay, so you are, you are the king. Um, and then towards the end of the chapter, Pilate basically goes back to, to the Jews and he says, um, who do you want me to release? The king of Jews, of the Jews. And then they shout back and say, not him, not Jesus, but give us Barabbas. And in that moment, they obviously don't recognize Jesus as the king. They rather choose Barabbas, who was indeed a criminal at that at that point. Um, so that's kind of like the context that was going on. And to me, the most interesting part of, of that conversation with him and Pilate, it's just like Jesus really trying to get Pilate to understand that he wasn't going to find any worldly um, reasons as to why he he would be crucified um, because what was going on was outside of what Pilate could see. It was actually a plan that God had, you know, the plan for Jesus to be crucified and and be and die on the cross for for um, for us. And Pilate wasn't understanding why that was coming into play because. All he could see is the way his government worked. And obviously Jesus is saying, this is outside of your authority. This is outside of your sphere, outside of any authority, any governmental authority. This is a kingdom that comes from heaven. And that's what we come to learn is the kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. And we actually, we come to realize that the kingdom of God, we are living in that kingdom today it's it's more relevant than ever um and actually in the bible it tells us that when we are born again we are actually entering this new kingdom so it's not like a kingdom that we can necessarily see with our with our eyes with our worldly eyes but it's a kingdom like I said previously, that comes from heaven. So when we are born again, right now we live by the spirit. Now we live by this new kingdom that has principles that now the king is Jesus and it completely changes the way we live. Um, so we come inside this new kingdom still living in the world that we live in today because it's it's even bigger than our eyes can see. Yeah, and, and I think that's what makes it a little bit difficult because we have two authorities, right? And sometimes we forget who is that authority that we should be listening to and that we should be obeying. Right. Because the authority that is so obvious to us is the governmental authority, mm -hmm. the state authority, mm -hmm. not the other authority of Jesus, right? right? Right. And I think that, you know, sometimes that comes into conflict because we are living... Um, our lives are now based on principles that are of this kingdom that comes from heaven. So it's not a kingdom of that we're living in, in today. And since we're talking about this kingdom of God and we as Christians are, you know, part of this kingdom, um, what if, where does being born again come into the question or like do we have to be born again in order to be part of god's kingdom how do you understand that sure sure so john 3 3 does say you know very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god unless they are born again so yes i would say born again needs to happen first um 
the reason like the born again is just that moment where in John it also talks about where the spirit gives birth to spirit, right? So it's where our spirit is made alive, is made alive to now enter this new kingdom where there's life. Um, so that moment where we're born again, obviously there's first death that happens. Um, and that's death to ourselves, death to living part of this world full of sin. Um, and in order for us to enter this new kingdom, we enter it as a new creation, right? So that does need to happen for sure. It's important for us to tell apart differences or being able to know what is something that is of God right. and something that is of the world. Right. Because I was in a situation where I couldn't tell apart what mm. was of God and what was of the world. Yeah. You know? And I think like the biggest struggle with that is if we're not coming to that, that state where we're dying to ourselves and now we're born again, what happens is this frustration, right? Of like, I'm trying to live this new life um, but I didn't fully die to my old life. And I think that's where the frustration stands. So now I'm trying to live a life after the resurrection, right? After being born again, um, living by the spirit, but that didn't really happen in my life. Like let's say, um, so then that's where the frustration lies. So I think that's important for everyone needs to go through that that switch of kingdom. Now I'm in this yeah. new kingdom right. now with a new king. Now I'm no longer the king of my life or, or, you know, the devil's no longer the king or whatever, the darkness, whatever we want to call it, you know, it's no longer that authority that yeah. we follow, but it's, it's now a new authority. And I think that needs to happen in everyone's life in order to click where it just becomes very, I would use the word frustrating. Yeah, and, um, it, and it does become frustrating, especially if you don't break that cycle of yourself, if you don't realize, hey, there is a difference. And yeah. I, if I do want to be a Christian, if I do say I'm born again, then I need to be representing that. Right. Because if I am going to call myself a Christian and I am being part of this kingdom, then I want to make sure that I'm reflecting those Christian Christian principles right. or, or everything that Jesus talked about. Right, 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 right. But it is confusing, especially I think that for a lot of people that say, okay, I, I want to accept Jesus, mm -hmm. but they live in this continuous cycle and mm -hmm. they don't know how to break it. Right. And I think that part of the reason why they don't know how to break the cycle mm -hmm. is because they can't tell the things apart. Yeah. Because sometimes they could overlap or they mm -hmm. could seem like, you know, there is no difference. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And that's true. But, you know, like we got to think about like what's our foundation, you know, if it's, if it's in the gospel, if it's in what Jesus did, which was die on that cross and resurrect and become the king, um, that he always was, then everything that I do needs to come from that place, you know? And I think that's when that happens, when we completely let go of ourselves um, that's why sometimes we see somebody coming to Christ and there's like that really quick transformation and then there's others that it's like they've been in church for like so many years and we don't see that transformation and that's not like to be judgmental or anything but it's just it just shows us the power of surrendering to Jesus the power of when we allow ourselves to let go and he completely takes over into this new kingdom 
um, that we're living in. And now it's like, that's so much powerful than anything that we yeah. could do. And, and that's huge because if, I think Paul talks about it. He says that you must like pick up your cross and like follow him. Right? Yeah. Or Jesus says, pick up yeah. your cross and follow me or you're not worthy of me. Right. Or if you don't hate, you know, your mother and your father, then you're not worthy of me and my right. kingdom. So like there's a high expectation of right. how we're supposed to live our lives right, right. and how we should be, you know, his representatives on earth. Cause it's not enough to just say, you know, I've been born again. Yeah. I mean, when we look at Jesus, like he, what did that look like to him? It was like dying on a cross. Like there's nothing pretty about that, but that cross symbolized like what we're living in today. Um, and he, he was like the purest, the most perfect, that person who ever walked this earth. And he experienced all of our sins on that cross. Um, and we have the same call for, to, for us today in order to live in the kingdom of God. But what we need to understand is what happens after the cross, right? There's life after the cross. There is resurrection power after the cross. And that's what's inside this new kingdom, this new... Um, way of living, the supreme power, the sovereignty over everything. Um, but that only happens when we enter this kingdom. Yeah, and Christians in the past have been criticized for focusing so much on the afterlife, on like being in heaven, being with Jesus, mm -hmm. that they pay no attention to like the world. So we have like some a lot of stereotypes that come with having that understanding. Yeah. And how would you say we could? Be somewhere in the middle like understand that this is what jesus is saying but then again if we are living in the world and how should we live how should right. we live it i mean if you look at like jesus's life as like a human in this world like think about in three years what he did and how much he changed like he completely changed everything like he obviously he changed history like we're talking about like big changes here like that yeah. we're talking about like him walking in the in the in this earth 2000 years ago and we're still here having this conversation right so that was because he took this kingdom of heaven into today uh, or when the time was that he was here he took the kingdom of heaven and he brought it to earth right he bought, brought it to our daily living and that's the same thing that we do today um, the kingdom of heaven is not just to be lived when we go to eternity. As Christians, we are called to live this kingdom here. So it starts. It actually starts here, the moment we come wow. to Christ, yeah. right? Um, it needs to affect um, our world today. Um, that is literally it. Um, I mean, there is a passage that... I believe it's Luke 10 that Jesus calls for the 72, like there was um, like the disciples to go out. There were these followers of Jesus to go out and he talks about, he tells them to go into this town and, and preach the kingdom of God and basically like heal, like do all these things in the name of the kingdom of God, right? And then when they come back... Well, that's different because I would expect to hear in the name of Jesus. Yeah, he basically tells them, it's Luke 10 verse 8. He says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
Um, and then he just goes on to say what else they, they need to do. And then, um, and, and then he repeats that afterwards too. The kingdom of God has come near. So when they're entering this town, there is transformation that awaits. There's healing that awaits. And that is because they're not just entering this town as regular people. They're entering this town as representatives of the kingdom of God. So they're carrying the kingdom of God wherever they enter. So wherever they're they enter, there needs to be something needs to change, right? It's transformative. Yeah, it's transformative. It can't just things can't remain the same when the kingdom of God enters. It, that's just impossible. Yeah, or when you take part in it right yes when and we are part of that kingdom so we're carrying that with us right right it's not just any love but it's a specific type of love exactly it's exactly. the love that he represented that nothing else can equate and nothing right. else can match to it right so like now when we enter places you know when we enter our jobs when we enter our schools we're entering they're not just as students or as employees, but we're entering as representatives of the kingdom of God. Um, and I think that changes everything when we, when we really realize what we're doing in every area of our lives. Yeah. And what would you say to um, people that understand that, but maybe they might put so much pressure on themselves to saying, hey, I know I know the truth. I know the gospel. Mm -hmm. I want to share it to my coworkers, to my colleagues, to my, you know, my classmates. And they put all that pressure on themselves mm -hmm. because they know it's something that they should do. Right, right. But somehow there's like a blockage there. Yeah. I think when you truly understand um, who Jesus is and you truly understand his love and, and the power of the good news, you know, it becomes like how can I not share this? It, it's not so much of like, I have to, but it's more of like, I just need to. Like, it's almost like I can't stay away from that. That is everything I'm founded in. That's everything yeah. that represents my identity. Um, but obviously, you know, when it's in the workplace, when it's with people that we go to school with, it's when like it's our secular. friends. Yeah, I think what they're looking for the most is um just that honesty of like but you're saying you love me and god loves me but do you really and i think more than ever what people are craving is truth honest love like not just here i'm gonna preach to you just like because i want to try to get you to convert no it's it's more like on my daily actions like Am I living like Jesus? Am I representing Jesus to those around me? Am I really loving my neighbors like Jesus called me to? Um, I believe that's what that's what living in the kingdom of God looks like, you know? Like when we enter a place, like they notice that there's something different about us. It's like not so much on maybe because we're just saying it and we're preaching it, but just in the way we carry ourselves or in the way we respond to things um i think that's what the world needs the most more than ever now there's like this craving for it and i you know you bring up a good point because maybe it doesn't look the same for everyone because yeah. we might put the pressure on ourselves like 
being representative of uh, being a representative of God looks like me preaching to you. Hey, yeah, look what Jesus did to me. Yeah, and He can do it to you too. Yeah, maybe it looks different. Yeah, to each individual person, right. and God could use you, or God could use you in whatever way mm-hmm. to still display those characteristics. Yeah, no, right. for sure. I mean, in Ephesians, it talks about like in every opportunity, do good. Um, are we taking every opportunity to to do good for others, like, or are we just taking the opportunity to talk about ourselves or, you know, um, to say things that I want to say, or are we really being led by the Holy Spirit and being sensitive to what people really need and to what people are really going through? Um, I think that's important to really think about. So as we end with some encouragement, would you say that following Christ, being part of his kingdom looks a specific way that we need to follow. I mean, we know that we need to follow Christ, um, but for our own individual lives, does it look different for everyone or, or the same? What would you say to that? Sure. No, that's definitely a great question. Um, I think in the general aspect, like we're all called obviously to be born again, to die for ourselves, to live with Christ. Like that definition is obviously all the same, but everybody's live, like it's going to look differently. So obviously like the things that I need to put on, like when I carry my cross that I need to put on my cross might look different than yours. Right. Um, So because there might be things that are getting in the way of my relationship with Christ that is different than yours. Um, I would say like the one thing that God has really been ministering in my heart for like a while now is like surrendering my heart. Um, I would say that is like the biggest thing, like my heart, my desires, putting it on him, allowing my desires to, to really be in, in one with his desire. So when we talk about like Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit being one, I want to join them in that oneness, right? So my desire has to join as well and their desires. It all has to be in, in that same unity. Um, so that's kind of what it looks like. So to me, it might, it might look totally different. So to me, like surrendering my heart in a, in a secular sense, might look like, you know, sometimes I want to respond in a certain way. And, you know, Christ is obviously telling me to respond differently based on the way he thinks. So it could totally look different um, to, to everyone, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what about the idea of perhaps when we think about giving up our lives or being born again, following Christ and, you know, being part of his kingdom, um, that we might think that it looks a certain way and there's an idea that has been pictured and we want to um, just focus on that picture and that example could be or that picture could be um, giving up your career Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know giving up your um, juggling a little bit with your finances to do something for God yeah yeah no for sure so like like going back to like that surrendered heart like I could technically, you know, give up everything in my life right now and say that I'm doing it for Christ, but it might look like that to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is. So what I mean by that is I could just be doing it because I think, 
you know, that's what it looks like or based on I want to prove to someone or or I want to prove to others that that I'm doing everything. Um, but like, did God actually tell me to do that? You know, so I think that's where it looks different to everyone. Like, I think, you know, there's seasons in my life where Christ is asking me to give up on, on something that maybe might, you might not even notice that it's, it's deep inside of my heart. Um, and I think that's like the biggest difference. I think when we're with Christ, he's clearly showing us, you know, what exactly he is asking from like of us um, to continue that life close to him. Um, so that that's really different. Like we really have to ask ourselves, like, are these ideas that I'm thinking of, is it coming from Christ or is it is it coming from what other people are saying? And I can't have my experience be the general like idea of what everyone's life needs to look like because the same way you know that there needs to be representatives of his kingdom in maybe in like a poor nation um there needs to be representatives of his kingdom in the high places of society too like so we don't know what that looks like but when we're following his desires and we're being christ-like we can be that representative of him everywhere we go but that requires that surrendering of our hearts um and really just trusting that we are listening to him and and that's why he gives us the holy spirit right when christ left he also left us the holy spirit because he knew that we were going to need that guidance he knew that we were going to need to really discern where we were walking towards because everybody has a different purpose yeah for sure um and going back to your point it is very important to be able to tell apart our desires Mm -hmm. and the desires of god and to make sure that we are following his desires right because in doing that then we are constantly living you know in the kingdom that we're supposed to be living in and we're 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 paying we're obeying that authority that we should be yeah and everything would be in sync if we do just that i wouldn't encourage like anyone that's listening to this to really just look inside of their hearts and and really ask themselves like truly um is my life surrendered to surrender to christ um is christ enough that's always the question that i ask myself if he removed everything from my life right now is he enough like is it fine or do I need to do something else to, to prove to myself that he's enough? Because in the end of the day, he needs to be enough, right? Um, so I would say one encouraging thing is really to to just build that foundation in him so that he can be the one who's really guiding our lives and, and we're fully surrendering to our ideas, to our way of our way of thinking, um, and we're allowing him to, to be that guide. 